my co-conspirator Edie Weinstein, that's one way of describing her, uh, is speaking first today. Um, Edie's a licensed social worker psychotherapist. Um, she's an ordained interfaith minister, a career journalist, and a former magazine publisher. The list of cool people that she has um, interviewed is awesome. Uh, she's an author. Uh, she wrote The Bliss Mistress Guide to Transforming the Ordinary into the Extraordinary. She is the founder of the Hug Mobsters Armed with Love. I got to go to one of the inaugural addresses. The inaugural, uh, events for, that the was, inaugural yeah. event. You were one of the original Hug Mobsters. Yeah, yeah. 30th Street Station on Valentine's Day. We're just like wandering, wandering through and offering hugs to people. It was an amazing experience. Edie refers to herself as an optimistic who sees the world through the eyes of possibility. She did her first TED Talk called Overcoming the Taboo of Touch in 2022, and she is going to talk to us about how we can let the people who love you love you. Edie Weinstein. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Can everyone hear me okay? Um, I have so much to say that I wish I could just do a Vulcan mind meld, but you'll have to... Um, absorb the words as they come out, because even though I generally have an idea of what I'm going to say, I never know completely. So it's kind of channeled, you know, being a vessel um, of spirit. I like to think of, of overlapping soul circles and interconnections. Probably 10, 15 years ago, maybe even more, um, I met a musician named John Michaels, J-O-N-M-I-C-H-A-E-L-S. John came to Gilda's Club in Warminster to perform. And there was something about this man that I said, I want to stay in touch with him. His music was described by Jack Canfield, he of Chicken Soup for the Soul, as Chicken Soup for My Soul. Um, he said um, he felt a sense of connection and alignment with John's music. So if you want to learn more about his music, it's johnmichaelsmusic.com. And you'll see, see and hear more about this man. So fast forward about a year ago, um, John gets in touch with me and he tells me he was just diagnosed with throat cancer. Now, can you imagine what that would be like for a singer to have throat cancer? And he was told by his doctor that, may, that he may not only may never be able to sing again, but he might find it difficult to talk. As a speaker, boy, can I relate to that. So he called me, he said, you're a spiritual person. I need to talk to you about this. And he knew I was a therapist as well. And I said, anytime, whatever you need to say. He said, I'm struggling with this, two things. One is my diagnosis. And two is that the people in my life, including my wife, want to pray for me. And I'm not sure I believe in prayer. What do I do? So out of my mouth came the words, let the people who love you, love you. And I'm just tearing up even remembering that conversation. He said, what do you mean? I said, if the way that they want to love you is to pray for you, let them. What's it going to hurt? It might even help. So he said, yeah, I guess so. And um, the conversations were not always that warm and fuzzy. Sometimes he would rage, like not at me, but at the cancer, at the unfairness of it at the, the pain that was involved with the treatment, at the weight that he was losing, um, at the, you know, the sore, the soreness in his throat, um, at the hair loss, all of those things. And I was able to hold space for him, again, not taking the anger personally, but being able to love him in that, you know, in that way. So I followed him on Facebook and 
um, saw that he was improving. And then he contacts me, um, I'm trying to think how long ago. And he said, tell me about, I was in Target actually. It was right before Christmas because I was doing some shopping for my, my grandkids. And he calls, he says, can we talk? And I said, well, I'm in the, in the middle of the store right now. Can you give me 15 minutes and we can talk in the car? So I'm in the car. He says, tell me about that, about the people who love you, love you thing again. And I said, sure, this is how the conversation went. And he said, you know what? You are absolutely right. And right now I'm clear of cancer. I just wanted to let you know that. And in March, I'm going to be um, doing my I Beat Cancer concert. Um, he lives in Lexington, South Carolina. So if anybody watching this is in South Carolina or knows somebody who is, check John out. I mean, he's just extraordinary. And I said, um, you know, I wish I could drive down there, but it's like an 11 or 12 hour drive. And we've been talking about bringing him here. Um, I have a friend who has a concert venue in his home, so he may be able to host John. So anyway, um, he said, I want to write a song using that lyric, that using that title for the song, and I'm going to debut it at my concert. So I think about what it means to let the people who love you, love you. Um, back in 2014, the same year as um, Hug, Mumps, Hug Mobsters was launched, I had a heart attack. And one of your buds, Lou Doty, was a really good support for me in that time because he had had one. I don't know if it was like eight months prior. So I, I called him to pick his brain and I'm lying on my sofa watching the ceiling fan spin because I am now a recovering workaholic. Back then I was a full-blown workaholic who couldn't even imagine letting anybody do anything for me. But I was so incapacitated at the time that I had to. It was literally one step at a time, one breath at a time. So Lou said, don't let your heart attack go to waste. Don't you know, use this as a lesson to let people take care of you. He didn't use the words, let the people who love you, love you, but he might as well have. So it was a wake up call for me. Um, I didn't quite get the message because since then I've been, I've had to learn it over and over again, diagnosed with pneumonia with, I, mean, I had COVID, but it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't incapacitated with that, but pneumonia, bronchitis, um, COPD, and I am learning to let the people who love me, love me in whatever way they want to. Now it's up to me to decide whether I accept love in the form that they want to shower it. And um, I'm a big um, follower of movies as therapy. One of my favorite movies was from 1991 called The Doctor. Is anyone familiar with that, that film? Um, William Hurt, who else was in it? Elizabeth Perkins, Mandy Patinkin, and Adam Arkin. Um, and I'm going to reference Adam Arkin because he was the character in the movie who wasn't afraid of loving his patients. Um, William Hurt played this surgeon who believed in going in, cutting out whatever the disease was and getting out of there. And he treated his patients um, like they were less than human until he became a patient with throat cancer. Did that just occur to me? He had throat cancer. So the movie, if you check it out, called The Doctor, um, Adam Arkin taught him the value of talking to his patients while they were under the knife. 
I remember this beautiful scene where he had his hand on the head of this um, this man who was having surgery and telling him that it was going to be all right and that his family loved him and he was the doctor was going to get him through this. Another movie that just came out probably in November um, called um, uh, American Symphony. Has anyone seen that? John Batiste and um, his wife, Sulaika Jawad. Um, John, for those that don't know, um, who've been living in a cave, um, John was the musical host or the musical, whatever you want to call him, for um, the, was it the Tonight Show. And he's also a New Orleans musician and he's won, I don't know how many Grammys, but the day he was nominated for 11 Grammys, his wife, Sulaika, who is a best-selling author, a New York Times columnist, um, had a recurrence of leukemia. So he had the juxtaposition of the best day of his life and one of the worst days of his life. But what got through them both, got through, helped them get through both things was love. And the scenes were absolutely exquisite. One very tender scene where he was shaving her head because she was starting to lose her hair. And another uh, when she was cheering for him as he won the Grammy Awards that he, that he won. I don't think he won all 11, but a, a fair number of them. What I find in daily life is that, and, and you all believe in the power of prayer, is that prayer is love in action. Sometimes prayer gives us the outcome that we want. Sometimes it doesn't. But I believe, I, you know, I don't know that there is an entity that waves a magic wand and says, okay, I'm going to make your prayer come true, but not yours. Um, sort of like the um, the movie with um, uh, Jim Carrey, where he, he portrays God and people ask him to have their prayers answered. And he says yes to all of them and chaos ensues. But I know that when I pray or when other people pray for me, I feel like I'm part of this big net of love. And when prayers come to fruition in the way we want them to, I think, again, my, you know, my own perspective is because of that shared energy. And even when prayers don't come to fruition the way we want them to, it just feels good to, you know, to do that. And, um, you know, cue the song, the James Taylor song, Shower the People You Love with Love, <clears throat> show them the way that you feel. I think about how, uh, you know, as, as someone who is a consummate caregiver, love sharer, whatever you want to call it, it's a joy to be able to shower other people with love. And I'm wondering, I, I don't know if we can do anything interactive here, but I'm wondering if other people have had that experience of surrendering to let other people love them when they were resisting it mightily yeah we've actually got a wisdom share that we're going to do uh in a few minutes There's okay opportunity to have a talk back then okay so i you know i think about that that it's a struggle sometimes and i wonder where that comes from some of it i think is ingrained unworthiness like oh who am i to receive um people may have been taught that they ask too much when they were growing up or their burden. When I was a child, I was diagnosed with asthma around the age of four. And I would be um, having a hard time breathing in the middle of the night. 
So I'd wander into my parents' room and my mom would take me into the bathroom connected to their room, turn on the shower, and we'd sit there breathing in steam until the hot water ran out. And I, you know, it, it wasn't a weekly occurrence, not even a monthly, maybe half a dozen times in a year. And she would take me to doctor's appointments for allergy shots. And, you know, they made sure, my parents made sure that I wasn't feeling like a victim of my condition. So they allowed me and encouraged me to be as active as I could be. And I remember feeling like a burden, like, oh, you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm a good girl so that I don't burden them further. And it couldn't have been farther from the truth. When my, you know, when I was an adult and I talked to my parents about it, they said, of course not. That's what parents do. That's what good loving parents do. So think about the people in your life that love you, that have loved you through all kinds of challenges, all kinds of struggles, when you were about to give up, when you felt like the world was too much with you. Um, I'm guessing I'm not the only one that feels that way, that sometimes things feel overwhelming. Breen was talking about uh, the diary of Anne Frank being timely. Sadly, it's never not timely. Uh, you know, that the world, I'm not say it's broken, but it's very wounded. And I think our role as world lovers is to love the world back into wholeness and to love each other back into wholeness when we feel like we're broken. Um, there's a book that was written by Elizabeth Lesser, who was one of the founders of the Omega Institute. The book is called Broken Open. And she tells stories about times in her life when she felt broken, when people in her life felt broken. And what patched everything together was love. So I invite you to think about um, the way that love infiltrates your lives, your thoughts, your actions with the people around you and ways that you can be more open to receive. Because you think about this, how good does it feel to give to other people? I love it. I love being able to give. So wouldn't you want the people in your life to have that joy to be able to give to you? And every day, think about who you can allow to love you even more than they do already. And that may be an unfa unfathomable, yeah, unfathomable. Yeah, I'm having word finding difficulties today, folks, sorry. Um, unfathomable um, to let somebody who loves, if you, you know, if you're a parent, a grandparent, I mean, I call being a grandparent love on steroids. And by the way, today is my grandson Dean's fourth birthday. So I'm just, he was the best thing that happened in our family in 2020. He was born January 21st of 2020. And he is my little joy boy. Um, so I can't imagine loving him or his little sister, Lucy, who's 19 months old. I can't imagine loving them any more than I already do. I tell them they're my favorite people on the planet. And I, and I think they believe me, but I let them love me too. Um, the day was a couple of weeks ago. We had a power outage in the area with the big storms and the winds blowing and all that. And my power went out. So I called the kids to see if their power went out. And Dean answered the phone. He loves to answer the phone. And he said, Bubby, which is Yiddish for grandmother, is your power out? And I said, yes. Are you in the dark? Yes. Do you have a flashlight? I do. 
well, you can borrow my Paw Patrol flashlight if you want. And um, he said, why is your power out? And I explained about the storm. He must have asked five or six times in a 10 minute conversation. I kept explaining it to him. And um, just that, you know, and he said, oh, are you scared? Because he's scared of the dark. And I said, no. He said, you should call a friend and have a friend talk, either come over or talk to you. So this little wise man, this little four-year-old was loving me in the best way he knew how. And I wouldn't have cared if I sat here. In the, I have candles too. If I sat here in the dark, just the offer to borrow his Paw Patrol flashlight and his concern that I'd be scared sitting here in the dark alone was enough to you know, light up the entire universe. So be aware of what that feels like to let yourself light up the entire universe and allow the people who love you to love you. Thank you.